Fierce Athlete Podcast. We are female athletes being raw and real about the joys and struggles of life, both on and off the field. We share how faith can both heal our wounds and reveal true beauty. Play fierce. Pray fierce. Live fierce. Welcome to the Fierce Athlete Podcast. This is Sam Kelly. And this is Nicole Dalton. We would like to welcome our first guest, Sister Xavier, from the beautiful Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George. Thank you for joining us, Sister. Oh, it is my pleasure. Awesome. Well, we are so excited. Sister, I met you a couple years back, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah, it feels like it's been a while. <laughs> it does. It does. Um, I got to go on a come and see um, at your mother house, and we totally connected because you are also an athlete. Yeah, it was great. And you're also tall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think our listeners know this, but I'm six feet tall. Nicole, how tall are you? I'm six two. And sister, how tall are you? I'm right at six foot, a little over, like six foot and a quarter. Not enough to make me the tallest in my order, but almost there. But pretty close. Yeah, so there's definitely... (laughs) I love, like, meeting tall people because when you hug, it's, like, awesome. I know. (laughs) Instant connection. Instant. Oh, man. Well, anyway, sister, we would love if you would just start off by telling us, yeah, what sport did you play? Maybe just tell us a little about your, your sports background. Sure. Um, well, it started whenever I was like two. Um, I have a picture of me in diapers, well, but it would have been younger than two then. I was in diapers on the beach holding a basketball. Um, so ever since then, my life has really revolved around basketball. Um, but then in high school, I also did cross country and track to try to stay in shape for basketball. <laughs> um, so I am from a small town in Ohio, about 50 minutes north of Dayton. And there, it really is just like sports country. We all just love sports. Uh, so my whole life was was really about sports. Um, so in high school, I did basketball, cross country, and track. But then in college, I played for the Ohio State University, and I I chose to to go there for for basketball. So I got to play there for four years under Coach Jim Foster and. We had the privilege of going to the Sweet 16 twice, and we also won the Big Ten three times and the Big Ten tournament three times. So it was a pretty good go. Um, I definitely enjoyed myself. Wow, that's awesome. Now, why why Ohio State? Um, honestly, it was just the best school and the closest school that recruited me. So I was only about an hour and a half from home, and I kind of really enjoy being able to go home. So that was that was a big factor in it. But then also they were just at the, the, the top of the list as far as the best teams to recruit me. That's awesome. And what position did you play? I was a forward. And really, I... When I say forward, it was kind of a loose forward because I did everything except guard the point guard. <laughs> so just, just depending on what the other team had as far as their lineup would really, uh, in fact, I would it would influence uh, what position I would be playing that game. So, um, so you talked about your awesome experience there, winning the Big Ten and doing well on the court. Um, what were some of your big experiences off the court um, that you experienced throughout your four years at Ohio State? 
Well, off the court, um, I guess falling in love with Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't do much at Ohio State other than play basketball and pray. <laughs> Ironically, I went to a state school and I really met Jesus. <laughs> a lot of people are, are scared to send their, their kids to, to public schools, um, especially like big schools with a reputation for being like a party school, you know. Um, but I really, I went there and encountered the Lord really for for the first time in my life. So that was the biggest blessing. That's beautiful. I had a similar experience. I went and played volleyball at the University of Texas in Austin, where I met Sam. And so I guess we share in that same experience of, yeah, falling in love with Jesus through being at a huge university and a big city. Yeah. Yeah. And I also went to a public school. So (laughs) there is hope out there. Sister, can you just share a little bit with us about, yeah, how did you meet Jesus? I mean, especially, like you said, at a public school where um, if it was anything like UConn, you know, it's it's known for its partying. And, you know, that's part of right. school culture. That's part of team culture. And, you know, there's a whole uh, gamut of, of things and temptations that, that comes with that. Um, yeah, yeah, how did that happen? Well, uh, honestly, my conversion started in high school. Um, whenever I was a sophomore in high school, I tore my first ACL. And after after that, uh, I kind of had a, a chance to just breathe because up until that point, I was so consumed with sports and myself that I never really had time to just ponder life, you know. So after my ACL was torn, uh, shortly afterwards, I was confirmed and I think my ACL tear like kind of opened up the doors for the Holy Spirit to just kind of swoop in um, and really rock my world. So I was laying in bed one night, and I was just pondering my life. I've always been kind of like one to ponder, but not necessarily about me. But this instance, I was, was pondering my life, and I was just thinking about my grandmother who had died whenever I was little. And I knew that if my grandmother was in heaven, which I believe she is, then she could see my life. And at that point in time, she would be so disappointed in me. So I just started bawling. I was like, oh, my grandma would be disappointed. Like, I'm such a selfish, like, person, you know. And, and I wasn't thinking anything about God at this point in time. Like, but it was his grace at work, but I was not thinking about him. But I said, for my grandma, I'm going to change. So I just started trying to live, like, a more moral life, you know, mm. and just uh, avoid certain sins that I had been falling into. And then when I was a senior going off to college— I had started to try to convert one of my friends because I only knew that since I was Catholic, it must be right. So I should try to make everyone else Catholic too. (laughs) Um, So I started trying to convert her and I didn't know anything, you know, like I didn't even know that the Eucharist is Jesus at that point in time. So I, I was trying to convince her of all these things, but I didn't know what they were. So I would have to read and I would read books and I'd listen to tapes and like all sorts of stuff. And, just to win these arguments with my best friend. <laughs> um, but eventually I just fell in love with the faith. And then when I got to college, there's um, a group called St. Paul's Outreach. And that one of the young women from there befriended me and took me to adoration for the first time. So I had never seen a monstrance before my freshman year in college. And when I did, it like rocked my world. Like by this time I, I knew that there was something very special about the Eucharist, but I didn't really know that it was Jesus, 
but then through this encounter and then through just learning more about my faith, I, I just fell in love with the Eucharist. And then it really just turned into like four hours a day adoration sometimes. Like I just became addicted to adoration, and that's really where my faith just kind of snowballed and took off. Wow. That's, that's awesome. beautiful. So were there ever any struggles throughout that time where you questioned God, whether it be through your injury or peer pressure when you were playing at Ohio State? Oh, yeah, there were plenty of struggles. <laughs> I would say definitely the peer pressure part, that was the hardest. Um, yeah, I was the only one on my team who was really – striving um to deepen my faith and to really to live just entirely for the lord um but there are there are other people who they're more um surface level maybe in your faith and their faith but um they were still like good people you know but but the atmosphere on my team there there are many lesbians and most all of them would party on the weekends and you know it was just very uh not that uplifting. <laughs> um, so that was a definite struggle to to try to hold on to the truth and not to be to be swayed by by peer pressure or anything like that. Mm. Sister, I mean, I can relate with all of that. You know, being yeah, the only one really living out my faith uh, and, and in a deep way, like you know, consistent prayer life and things like that. And of course, there were teammates that. Um, you know, we're trying and I would encourage and things like that, but you know, if, if there's an athlete out there listening who is in a similar situation, what, what advice would you offer them? Like, do you, did you have any practical things that you would try to do just to keep yourself kind of grounded in your faith amidst, yeah, a a culture that was maybe telling you otherwise? For me, it was all daily mass and and daily adoration. I mean, there were times when I would walk into the adoration chapel crying because I'd be so frustrated with, like, sports or friends or whatever it was. But the Lord gave me so many graces. Like, I would actually walk in crying, and the second I would see him in the monstrance, it would just be like this tangible peace that would just, like, wash over me. And I know that was a special grace that he gave me to keep me to come back to him, you know? Um but for me, it was all it was all the Eucharist, daily Mass. It really became my sustenance, um, and it, it really saved me in many ways, especially like there was a large section of, of college where I was struggling with serious sin because I, you know, I wasn't strong enough to stand up um, to my teammates and to my friends, uh, so I, I did fall into to some serious stuff. But because I knew that the Eucharist was our Lord, and that I had to have a pure heart to receive him, I would started going to confession all the time. And then I really developed a, a huge love of confession and just was able to encounter his patience and his mercy there over and over again. Um, so I really, I guess, just the sacraments, you know, they're, they're our greatest uh, encounters with the Lord, and they're more than a help, you know, they actually change us. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. So then how did you um, feel called to become a sister or seek that out? Yeah, so my my freshman year, I, you know, I started to read all these things to try to convert my friends. <laughs> but one of the books that I ended up stumbling upon um, was Come Be My Light, The Personal Writings of Mother Teresa. 
And when I read that, you know, I'm always like a go big or go home type of person, and I'm easily inspired by these great witnesses. So when I read that, I was like, wow, I want to do exactly what Mother Teresa did. Like, I want to be a missionary of charity. I want to give everything up and be a sister and go be a missionary, you know. Um, that didn't end up happening quite the, the way I, I wanted it to, um, but that was the seed that kind of just grew and blossomed in, into my vocation now. So that was as a freshman, but I really felt called to be at Ohio State and to try to be a witness to my teammates and to the fans and just the different people I encountered. So I decided to stay the whole four years, and the whole time I'd always just tell people, well, I'm discerning, I'm discerning, like, I don't know what I'm going to do, I might just go be a missionary, or we'll just see what the Lord wants. Um, my sophomore year, I was in Chicago, and I went in a church with my friends to, to just stop and pray for a little bit, and just look at the beautiful church, and as I knelt there to pray, I had this overwhelming experience of God's desire for me to be his bride. So at this point, it went from my like intellectual desire of like that would be so cool to live life like that to oh my gosh like Jesus wants me as His own. He has chosen me to be His bride. So at that point in time, it became more of a heart thing for me, where it was a, a sense of being chosen by Him and that He wanted me to to go deeper and to just give everything to Him. So at that point, um, it became more more serious, but I still knew I was supposed to be at Ohio State. So. So it wasn't really on the back burner, but it wasn't first and foremost in my mind, you know, like because I knew, I knew I was supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Well, come my senior year, I tore my second ACL. So at that point, my career was pretty much done. I was able to finish my season without my ACL, um, and then by the end, I could hardly use my leg that I had um, torn the ACL in my my sophomore year whenever I was in high school so then I knew like my career's over I'm not going to play basketball so I've always thought of this sister thing <laughs> so then I started to really discern and then I ended up finding our sisters after I moved to St. Louis to do a year of service there and I encountered us and I just knew that I was home that I was finally with my sisters so then I'm here wow huh. um sister I would love to just hear a little bit more uh, about your order. Can you tell us, Sister, just tell us a little bit about your order. What's your charism? What do you do? What's maybe your day-to-day look like? Yeah, our well, our order's name, in case they didn't catch it, the Sisters of St. Francis of the Martyr St. George, and we were founded in Germany in 1869, so we've been around for a while. Um, we came to America in 1923, and... Initially, we were entirely involved in healthcare. Um, today, we have numerous apostolates. Like I couldn't even count how many we have. Um, our main two are nursing and teaching, but then we also have administrators and people who work in domestic care. Um, we take care of retired priests. We have um, missions in Brazil and Cuba. Uh, so we're all over the world. Um, we have five different provinces. So international community, which makes it fun to every now and then get to meet the sisters from other countries. Uh, But our charism that binds us all together is to make the merciful love of Christ visible. So that's why we have so many different apostolates, because his merciful love can come out in any way you want. Um, So whatever the church needs, that's what we, we strive to do. So if a bishop invites us to do something and we have the sisters, then, then we are able to to go and, and do whatever that diocese needs. 
so here in America, we have about 120 sisters. So we're not too big, but um, we have enough to have about 13 houses throughout America serving in different ways. So. Wow. And what, what does your day-to-day look like? I know that you know all the sisters are doing different missions, so it might differ, but what are kind of the, some of those staples of your day? Yeah, well, the initial staple is we wake up at 4.35 in the morning, um, which is pretty early, even for religious. You get used to it. Well, actually, you don't get used to it. You get used to being tired. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you wake up at 4.35, and then after that, we have morning prayer and meditation, which meditation is a half hour for us, and then we have morning mass. So um, you start off with a good, like, hour and a half with Jesus, which is Wonderful. And then each sister goes out to her apostolate after that. So depending on what it is would depend on on how long they will be there. Um, We try to come together around midday for midday prayers. If the community can't come together, um, everybody, like at the same time, then each sister prays um, the office privately at midday. And then we come back together for evening office and scripture reading. So we read scripture for 15 minutes um, each evening before we pray office. And then after that, we have supper. And then uh, after that, depending on the night, we would either have recreation, um, which could be anything and everything, like from playing sports to, to learning how to dance. Like We've done everything. <laughs> um, yeah, probably the most fun recreations are whenever everybody's doing um, square dancing. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> um But then after that, we would have night prayer. And then after night prayer, we have what is called grand silence um, until the next morning after breakfast. Um, So get uh, some quiet time with the Lord. But then we all go to bed by 930 and then do it all over again the next day. Wow. Now, I can definitely see some parallels between that type of life and the beauty of that type of life and the life of an athlete, right? It's it's regimented. Mm -hmm. You have to... um, spend certain time, you know, in prayer, whereas an athlete has to spend, you know, certain time training or visualizing Mm -hmm. or different things like that. Um, How did sport maybe lend itself to or help prepare you for religious life? And what are some of the parallels that you've seen between um, sport and religious life? I think um, initially what comes to mind is the ability to live in community. That that has been very striking to me. Um, And just the the different aspects of teamwork um, that come within sports that has been so helpful for me as being a religious, you know, so on a team you have each person who has to do their role or else the team is not going to succeed. Well, in religious life, it's, it's very similar. Um, so each sister has her own individual apostolate, um, but you're, you're bound together with the common goal of making Christ merciful and visible, you know, so that's kind of like winning if you want, if you want to compare it that way. But if each sister isn't um, isn't content in her own work, then you see community can can fall apart, just like on a team. Like if each person isn't okay just doing their job, then the team can kind of fall apart, you know. Um, so that is the first initial thing that I thought of. But then for me personally, sports that really prepared me for, I guess, even just the spiritual life, like learning how to to be um, all in, you know, and learning how to to work through hard things and not and not give up. Um, I think that's been the the biggest thing for me, knowing that like 
I can do this. You know, I can't on my own, but with Jesus' grace, I can. And I just have to, to show up and be faithful sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. those days whenever your body feels like it's going to fall apart. Sometimes you just have to show up. And it's the same with the spiritual life. Like sometimes you just got to show up and just let the Lord take over. And it's actually those days that you grow the most sometimes. Mm-hmm. So true. It's funny when earlier you said this and you just repeated it, but you're like, you know, when you're all in. And I think that's after my conversion, that's how I was too. It was just kind of like, okay, well, well, Jesus is real. and He's in the Eucharist. Like I'm going to pursue this with like everything I have, which I think is just mm-hmm. comes from our athlete background, right? It's like, we are just going to mm-hmm. train as hard as we can for the pursuit of a goal. And I mean, that's so parallel to the spiritual life. Like, okay, I am, you know, there would be times where, and okay, this, this isn't setting a standard where I would spend also four hours in adoration. Now, day to day, was it that much? No, I, I just couldn't do that, you know, um, with my busy schedule, but you know, it was Mm -hmm. like, I agree, like trying to get in those daily habits, whether it be prayer or mass Mm -hmm. or the sacraments, because that's what aided me encountering the Lord and the ultimate Mm -hmm. goal of eternal life. Um, and it's just, it's just like in sport. Like I had to every day, even though I hated it, I got in the ice bath after practice (laughs) because I knew that that was going to help me, you know, get my body back on the field the next day. Um, and so it was just like, there's, yeah, there's so many parallels I think between sport Mm -hmm. and, and the spiritual life. Yeah. And you know, I didn't even realize cause I was surrounded by athletes constantly, so I didn't even realize how like much of a gift that is to be able to be like all in because there's a lot of people who just don't live that way. You know, it's just not part, it's not part of their, their daily life. And at first I was a little surprised, like, wow, like this isn't normal. <laughs> but then I realized like this is, this is a gift that the Lord has given. Um, and it was nurtured through sports, you know, so praise God for that. Mm. What are, cool. yeah. What are some of the other gifts you saw from sport i think um i i guess i'll go back to community um because i was always with people who are very different than me and like where they came from um like their family situation uh even just like the life choices they made or their goals in their life or like why they played you know all these different things um that really, especially in college, very it broadened my horizon tremendously, and it helped me to be able to encounter someone where they are. You know, so if we're if we're going to give someone the gospel, you have to be able to meet them where they are because they they won't be able to receive it if you don't proclaim it in a way that they can understand. You know, so I think that was a huge gift um, that sports gave, with just the the diversity of people you encounter. Yeah, I think. One of the big things for me at my time at Texas was also meeting people where they're at. Um, And so I just want to know, did you lead a Bible study? Did you just practical things that you did within your team or other athletes that um, brought Jesus to them on campus? Yeah, you know, actually... This is one of those things where it's like, I wish I would have done better with that. I tried to start a a Bible uh, study with my team, but it just kind of fell apart. Um, I don't think there was enough interest, you know, to to really go in. And I wasn't wasn't really mature enough in my faith to be able to really help help others. Um, And there's not a big, like, Catholic athletic community on campus there, so... 
So I kind of was by myself, and I didn't really know what to do, so I didn't do anything, But which I wouldn't recommend for other people who don't know what to do. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure, like, even, you know, because I, I would agree, like, you know, I... I started a study, but it was hit and miss. You know, that's almost like a really kind of far along step. It's it's a, something that mm-hmm. took me a while to get to. Nicole, I know when I was working with you at Texas, like it, it took a couple of years to get traction with mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like how we, like you were saying, just encountering people, like encountering your teammates, how we would treat them. Um, I think is, is the first place, you know, were we living our lives in a way that, allowed them to encounter the faith, I guess. Um, maybe not directly preaching at them, but was I a good teammate? Did mm-hmm. I, um, and this is something I definitely grew in, but was I, you know, did I have good sportsmanship? Um, you know, did I keep a level head? You know, did I really act like I knew the Lord? And that's, you know, it's hard because your teammates see you, right? They saw me go out and party with them. And then they, you know, and then after this conversion, they saw me struggle and they saw me kind of be back and forth. And then I hope in the end they saw somebody who was more integrated, but it's like, Mm -hmm. I pray that that, even that vulnerability and revealing those weaknesses to them spoke to their hearts too, because I wasn't untouchable, right? Like I'm a sinner, but I know like where to go after I do sin. Um, and that's, that's the confession, like you were saying earlier. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And as you were speaking, I was thinking about my senior year because um, I think my senior year I was able to to kind of um, plant the most seeds, I think, but even without trying because my senior year was the year that I tore my second ACL. Um, so I went from being a starter to, like, nothing, you know, um, until I was able to play again. But, but my teammates would comment on, like, well, how aren't you like completely just bummed out right now? You know, like, and they were kind of taken aback by like how I, I reacted to my, my torn ACL and it wasn't easy by any shot, but, but the Lord definitely gave me a lot of grace for that. But I think that spoke louder to them than anything I had ever said, like just the way that, that I reacted to, to personal trials, you know? Why why do you think you were, able to react like that you know like you said you had you had torn one in high school and um was there a difference maybe in how you reacted because you had encountered the lord um or why were you able to maybe be so positive it was definitely the lord <laughs> um my first one i didn't really have an actual relationship with jesus and then by the time i was a senior in college you know i was going to daily mass and adoration but it was it was a personal thing, you know, it wasn't just like, I should go do this because that's how I'll be holy. It was, I went because I wanted to encounter our Lord. So I remember very clearly after I tore my ACL, like I didn't know that I would be able to play again. So I went to daily mass like normal. And I just remember like I, I would cry, you know, cause it, like here I am a senior and there goes my career. Um, but I, I remember just thinking, and I'm sure it was the Holy spirit Like, this is my chance to live what I have been saying I believe. Mm. You know, like, all along I was like, oh, sports aren't that that important. Like, you know, Jesus is what matters. And I was like, well, here's my chance to actually, like, 
show that that's true, you know? So I was like, all right, Lord, like, I surrender this to you. Like, it'd be really nice if you would, like, heal me or, or whatever, but I surrender to you. And a couple of days later, my trainer came up to me and was like, you know, you can still play. And I was like, what? I can still play? <laughs> so, I mean, the Lord really did give it back to me, but but I was ready to just be, be done, you know, and just surrender it to him. But, but he let me finish out my season, which was a huge gift. Hmm. I can also relate to that. I had um, three hip surgeries during my time at Texas, and all of which were about eight to ten months of recovery. Um, And I think the first one for me was really hard because, yeah, I knew Jesus, but I hadn't really encountered him yet. And then after the second one, I was probably a little more depressed and questioning why um, towards Jesus. And then... I got past that and um, yeah, just his downpour of grace during that time, just healing my heart um, to know him better so I can relate. And then once my third one came around, kind of the same mentality as you had of just, you know, how can I offer this day for Jesus even when I'm in pain Um, or for my teammates who are struggling with sin and recognizing that and being there um, help as well in those struggles. Hmm. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I think it comes back to like, where do we put our identity? Like I, you know, I, I tore my ACL, LCL and meniscus my senior year of high school. And that was 13 months recovery, three surgeries. They told me I never play again. Um, but I just always had, and I think it's from sport, this natural like perseverance slash like watch me, I'll prove you wrong mentality about life, you know? <laughs> and so it, my, my, my motivation to get back and to get better wasn't, um, maybe for the right reasons, but again, sport had taught me, taught me some of those virtues of perseverance and courage, but my identity was so wrapped up in it that I, I like had to come back. Um, and while I was recovering, I mean, I was miserable. I was miserable because that was my identity. Um, and then my junior year, I retore my meniscus, which was a lesser surgery. But I remember I had a similar experience, sister, where at this point I had met the Lord in, ador- in adoration and I went to the chapel and I remember I was just crying and it was, it was my breaking point because up to that point I was like, okay, Lord, I give everything to you. But I think I was still grasping soccer. You know, that was... And not that sport is a bad thing. Like, I would just want to clarify, like, sport is such a gift and our athletic abilities are such a gift given from him. But mm-hmm. it was an idol. Like, it was something that I, I oftentimes put before him. And um, so I went into the chapel, I'm crying, and it was just that moment of, like, Jesus, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just give everything to you. Um, and, you know, I was able to recover from that. And the surgery ended up, in God's providence, being a blessing because part of my ACL um, that had been repaired was getting caught in my joint. So they like discovered that because they went back in and then, you know, I finally could play again. And, you know, the Lord, you know, I had a, a great end to my career as captain and starting and things like that. But I'm so grateful for that, that point where he, he essentially broke me down and, uh, and God never causes injury, right? He's only good, but he can allow things to happen. And he allowed that injury because he knew that he could bring good from it. And my deeper, my deeper surrender to him. Um, because at that point I knew that what I came to know that my deepest identity is as his daughter and it's not what I do that makes him love me. It's just who I am. Yeah. (laughs) 
So good. Wow, we got the three of us have a lot of similarities. Like public yeah, schools, <laughs> injuries. Um, sister, you don't know this. Nicole and I talked about this in our intro podcast, but um, we had hip surgery together actually. Uh, mm-hmm. So oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, her her right hip labrum started bothering her. And found out it was torn and. Right about that time, my right hip started bothering me, and I just knew. I knew it was uh, because the Lord wanted us to go through that together and grow together and encounter Jesus deeper together. So, yeah, we had surgery like 30 days apart and uh, recovered together. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh, man. Bound by surgeries. Um, Sister, Mm -hmm. just thinking like, through your experience, like, are there any other topics you want to hit or things you want to share, things you think athletes, whether, whether current or former, like, need to hear? What really came to mind is, like, a lot of times athletes will ask me, like, how do you actually pray while you're playing? Oh, yeah. Offering sport up. I offer different workouts up. I pray the rosary, like, while I work out. Like, there's lots of things. Yeah, I feel, okay, see, this, this is, like, one thing that, like, people do that, but then they're still like, but how do I pray? You know, it's like that, like, they want, like, a deeper prayer than even just, like, offering it up, you know? Yeah. I'd say. I always talk about <laughs> reading, what's the book called? Um, Consoling the Heart of Jesus. And I didn't read the whole book, but I remember this. I will remember it forever. How it talked about offering up um your sufferings or tough times that you're going through offering that up for someone else. But the point that hit me was uniting that suffering with Jesus's on the cross. And so that took it to a deeper level for me was not just like, okay, I'm going to offer it up for this friend because her mom is struggling or this person because they're ill. It was like, okay, Jesus, I want to unite what I'm going through right now to you on the cross for this person so that's what took it deeper for me but that's beautiful yeah that's awesome i think something else uh that i realized was so we are body and soul right um and i Mm -hmm. think athletes have a particular openness or propensity to understand the importance of their bodies you know our culture kind of negates the body i think at points um, but athletes know that they can train their bodies. So they, 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 they get the importance of the body. Um, so I think in college, like I would always, you know, start practices and be like, okay, I offer this up for so-and-so. Or, you know, when we would do sprints, I would go down the line and say, okay, first sprint is for Sarah. Second sprint is for Gabby. Third sprint, you know, I just keep going down the line. But an experience I had recently was realizing that Christ and his passions, this is similar, Nicole, to what you were saying, like part of the offering. So when Christ died on the cross, he like died for our sins, um, and offered his, his full self, um, for that. And part of that was his body. And so you think about the passion of Jesus, like he was whipped, uh, and scourged at the pillar. And so he like bled from that. I mean, before that he was in the garden and sweat blood. You got to think when he was carrying the cross, like he experienced shoulder pain, like he couldn't breathe. His muscles were cramping. He was dehydrated. And I kind of had the realization that when we, when we're working out and my muscles start to cramp or I can't breathe or I'm sweating really hard or I want to quit, Like those are the same things that Jesus experienced. And so 
the offering is that in the workout as well. Mm -hmm. Like there is not only am I maybe meditating. Well, it's hard sometimes when I think, I think sometimes like I, before practice or before I say I go run three miles, like I'd be like, okay, each mile is for this person, you know, but while I'm doing it, do I always think of those people? Like, no, I'm dying. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't always <laughs> meditate, but there are definitely moments when I want to quit when I, when I come back to those intentions, but it's, it's really like, okay, when I, when I'm finishing a workout and I want to quit, like, can I go harder? Because that's what Christ went through. And I think that that honors, um, that prayer even more. Um, it, it's a even greater offering for that person that I'm praying for. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, as you were speaking, I was thinking, um, there's this poem in St. Faustina's diary. It's towards the end. I don't even know the number reference, but, um, it talks about how she is a host in God's hands. Um, and how, you know, she's been transformed and configured to Christ that he can offer her to the world now, um, even to be ground in the teeth of her sisters, you know. Um, but I was thinking when I, when I was a housekeeper here in the convent, um, we have this back stairwell and it is blazing hot in the summer because <laughs> there's no air conditioning in there. So I would have to clean it and it's three stories high. Um, and, you know, we clean very thoroughly here. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been, you know, on my hands and knees, like mopping the floor, but like sweating, like bullets and like dead tired because I would have already cleaned like everything else. And I clean everything like at overspeed because, you know, I want to get a workout. At and <laughs> <laughs> um, but I started like praying like this is my body given up for you, you know. So like as Jesus gives himself to us in the Eucharist, then we can give ourselves back to him all day long you know, and pouring ourselves out so that the next day, whenever we go to receive him, we can give everything, you know, so it's like living a Eucharistic life, like all day long. But I think as athletes, we can do that in a special way when we're giving our bodies like through sport. And I experienced that like even in cleaning, but you know, specifically like in obedience to like our coaches or whatever that might be, like, I don't want to do that, but like, I'm going to to unite my obedience to Christ's obedience and offer my body through his offering also. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I didn't yeah. even, I didn't even make that parallel until you just said the word obedience. I mean, mm -hmm. that probably helps <laughs> prepare you for that vow. You know, it's like, yeah, we, right, you know, yeah. A coach, when a coach go tells us to like, you know, do suicides, it's like, I, I really don't want to, you know, I mean, you know, you know, it's going to pay off and you know, that there's a greater good, but like, I don't want to go do that. But, um, there's that trust there, you know, that is for a greater good. It's for our conditioning, um, and for the good of the team. So I could imagine that, yeah, that would have a parallel in religious life as well. Yeah, definitely. Sure does. <laughs> well, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. That was beautiful. Yeah, was oh, you're awesome. welcome. Oh, okay. Well, sister, um, before we maybe close, you are about to make a huge transition in your life. <laughs> um, maybe you could tell our listeners what the Lord has next for you and just so that we can be praying for you. Yes, prayers would be very appreciated. Um, so going back to the very beginning of my, you know, discernment where I wanted to be a missionary. So that was 11 years ago. And on September 10th, that's finally going to happen. So I'm being transferred to Santa Clara, Cuba, 
where I will work uh, in a bishop's residency and then also in pastoral care in a shrine, um, taking care of pilgrims, and then I'm going to do like children's catechesis and stuff like that. So I first need to learn Spanish, <laughs> so please pray for that. Um, but yeah, it's very exciting and, um, you know, hard. The cross is always there because I have to say goodbye to even more people now. You know, you enter religious life and you say goodbye to all your friends and family, but then you get this huge family of sisters. And then for some people, um, you have a, a like a call within a call to be a missionary. So now I get to say goodbye to my sisters also. I'll see them every summer, you know, but it's still it's very hard um, to say goodbye because, you know, we want to be around those who we love. It's definitely worth it. All for the kingdom. Wow. Well, yeah, we will be praying for that. Thank you for your yes and just the courage, you know, to, to go where the Lord is asking. Yeah. It's a gift. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, sister. We really appreciate it. I will, um, I'm going to look up that quote you, you said from St. Faustina's diary and I will post that in our show notes. Um, but yeah, we really appreciate your time. Thank yeah, you. Thank you for having me. Play fierce. Pray fierce. Live fierce.